Hey everyone, this is Augustus Cho. Welcome to part three of our previous episode. You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. Like you say, you played almost at 10 years with uh, the band, and then you moved on to your final where you are today, the entertainers. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you stay with a band for 10 years and you break up, I mean, it's got to be hard when that separation happens, or is it? Yeah, it's always, well, change is always, you know, uh, you're always hesitant with change. But you have to accept it and be able to uh, make it work for you, no matter what it is, whether it's your choice or whether it's somebody else's choice that brings about the change. Um, I was really lucky because as soon as I called Earl with the entertainers, he was like, man, we would love to have you. Um, but I can't afford you right now. I can only use you on uh, some jobs when somebody else might not be able to make it. So I took the job knowing that right off the bat with the entertainers. But as soon as I came the first time, he had me at every job. I never really missed a job after that, you know, uh, till much later, I had a vertigo about a few years ago that caused me to miss a few jobs. But um, he, he was uh, like, I say, Earl is another one of those that I've known since the 1970s, the late seventies. Um, and I was thankful to get to, to finally work with him. He is a, a extremely good uh, vocalist, really good guy. He's done an excellent job running a business here for over 40 years. You know, he's kept this band going and you can't really argue with him about anything. You might have a different way you would do something, but you can't go do it this way because he's, he's shown you that it works the way he does it. So, uh, you know, I respect that from him. I'm thankful that he lets me do as much as he lets me do and all with the band. And, um, it's just another one of those things, another another great experience for me and uh, one that I'm happy to get to to enjoy. So you've been with uh, Entertainers since 2012 to present. So it's right. almost uh, 10 years already. Yeah, April so you, will be 10. Yes, I mean, you, you have longevity. And, and again, it speaks a lot for you that you're able to get along with uh, your band members for, you know, pushing 10 years. That's That really says a lot about your character. Yeah, well, Entertainers has been around for 40 years, and you've been around for uh, 10 of that, and uh, yeah. going on strong. So, uh, Entertainers, just for FYI, is based in Charlotte, was founded in 1980, and you, you guys average uh, on, during normal season, 16 to 18 shows a month during the summer months, right? Yeah, we usually do about 160, 170 shows a year. Um, of course, it's changed a little bit in the last year and a half, two years um, because of the pandemic and stuff. And uh, we still try to, you know, get as much in as we can. It's, it's still a matter of with this band, um, it's established enough that we still want to have time off with our families. We don't really want to work six, seven days a week. Um, about four is about perfect because um, then you still have enough time to get home and play with your dogs for a couple of days and see your <laughs> wife and, 
you know, do a little painting or grass cutting or whatever you need to do and then get back out and work three or four more. So about three or four days a week is about what we average and kind of what's normal for us for the most part. Of course, it slows down, uh, you know, from like November through about February and then it picks back up. Oh, yeah. And um, I'll be there. We'll look for you. <laughs> you prim- primarily play the prom- trombone here with the entertainers yeah, yeah. at this point. thing. And you do a, a number of uh, songs that you sing, and uh, you do a great job with the falsetto. I mean, you really That's developed right. that over the years. And I mean, you really, you, you, you really got that down. But it's really funny seeing you sing that falsetto in some of those songs because you're six foot two. <laughs> you got this light high pitch coming out. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, fortunately, height doesn't have anything to do with the voice. So, but uh, yeah, it is It is a different look. You know, it's not what people expect sometimes when they see you because they expect you, you know, you're just going to be a, a big, deep voice guy, you know, or whatever. Uh, but like I say, I'm, I'm thankful that people I've worked with have pushed me in that direction. And it's something I've been able to learn and, and, uh, you know, a, a, a talent that I've been able to foster a little bit. And also, I, I appreciate it. And Absolutely. Thank you for your compliment. Thank you for and, your compliment. Uh, you're welcome. And I mean that sincerely. And when you, entertainers do a segment of Jersey Boys medley. Yeah. And that's when you do your high-pitched Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons. And I, I love Jersey Boy. I've seen it three times right in the front row. Yeah, when they came around because I, I love that music and I love the production, the whole thing. But anyway, so for you to come across with that half falsetto and sound pretty much like uh, Frankie Valley, I was impressed, man. That's a compliment. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's we're nice going to play that in the track in this podcast so people can also hear you uh, sing that song. But I thought you did a great job doing that falsetto. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you to say. And, uh, and, it, and it has been. Uh, um, I I did some I did uh, some four season stuff when I was in the Shakers. When I was in the Fantastic Shakers, we did a a similar medley, but um, you know we didn't like I say we didn't <laughs> do it as for for as long a time. And Earl didn't. Uh, it wasn't pushed like Earl pushes it in the Entertainers. You know, we we try to do all the stuff like that that. Because people come and they expect to see it. They know you do it. And if you don't do it, they get disappointed. And, man, I I always hate disappointing anybody. You know, I want to try to do everything they want to hear. If I could let them write the song list for the night, I would do it. But it just doesn't work that way. But um, you want to know. And and we do get a lot of emails and texts, people saying, hey, will you do – will y'all please do the Four Seasons medley tonight? Will you do uh, Electric Slide or whatever they want to hear? You know, we we get that. And – Earl does a good job of putting it in the set and uh, doing them when we can, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I do like the rendition of the uh, uh, Jersey Boys medley that you, you guys Thank do. You. So yeah. hopefully, you know, you will keep that in your repertoire. You, yeah, also do a, you also do a great job of mid-range with Lou Rawls. You got that well, voice, that Lou Rawls song. What's the name of that song you do? Uh, it, You're Never you Fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, you, it, it's actually out of all the songs that I sing with the band, it may not be my best song, but it's my favorite song to do. Um, and I, I really like doing it. I did it um, when I was in, I started doing that song when I was in uh, Fat Ammon's band. 
And then when I got in the shaker, somebody else in the band was singing it. Freddie Tripp sang it. So I didn't get to do it while I was with the Fantastic Shakers. But then when I started with uh, the entertainers and they had it in the song list, but they weren't doing it. But I saw it on the list where they used to do it. And I asked Earl about it. And he said, would you like to try it? And I said, oh, yeah, man, I'd love to. So that's one of my, honestly, that's of all the songs that, that I get to sing with the entertainers. That's probably overall my favorite song to do. Good, because when you close your eyes, so comfortable. it's just so comfortable for me, you know, it's in a range that's comfortable. Whether you sound like Lou Rawls or something isn't the important part. It's whether you can sell it on your own. And uh, I think I can do that. Okay, I guess. You've taken my line, man. Like when you close <laughs> your when you're singing that Lou Rawls song and you close your eyes, you really can't tell the difference. You really have that deep, low Lou Rawls sound. Oh, well, so. thank you, man. Thank you. I, I don't know how familiar you, were, you are with Dink Perry. He passed away a few years ago, but he was the lead singer with the Breeze Band. Uh, and he was a uh, just a man. He did all kind of Lou Rawls songs, and he did a lot of them as good or better than Lou Rawls could do them. Uh, he was just a, a, an extremely good talent, uh, had had that range of voice so, so well covered and uh I miss him all the time, man. He was just such a great guy. He was one of those guys that uh, when you meet him, you go, what you want to do today? I want to go work. I want to go play. I want to be on a stage. That's what he wanted to do all the time, you know, and there's, you don't meet a lot of people, even that are good musicians that really want to do it as much as he always wanted to. And um, I've, I've always, that still hits me in my mind, you know, when I realize how much I want to, and it, I, I question myself, but but do you want to as much as Dink did? Because Dink was just an extreme talent, a very, I mean, the best ever of doing Lou Rawls. Um, and so I'm happy to get to do it. Like I say, it's, it's fun to get to do it, and I appreciate getting to do it. And, uh, you know, it's just just one of those things, man. I, I just really enjoy it. Well, that's good. I'm glad Dink can actually outdo Lou Rawls. And oh, it yeah, is funny really when, good. yeah, it is funny when non, you know, when somebody else sings your song better than you do. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw it on the internet, but there, you know, there's Whitney Houston, I love you. What is it? I truly yeah. love you, whatever it is. There's I'll a girl. Yeah, exactly. I'll always love you. There's a girl in Philippine high school girl back several years ago who you, who used a karaoke machine and she outdid Whitney Houston's. I oh, should, I, oh my God. You have to hear That's it. That's amazing me. there. That's yeah, amazing. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, she every note she has those things. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. another song that I really enjoy listening to you is the Drifters medley, man. I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah. I love Drifters to begin with. Yeah. But when you do the Drifters medley, which is Saturday night at the movies, and then followed by Kissing in the Back Row. <laughs> right. I love right. it, man. Talk well, to I me. appreciate it, man. Uh, I had done in, uh, when I was in, uh, Fantastic Shakers, I used to sing Saturday night, uh, Saturday night at the movies. And uh, I brought it up to Earl and said, man, I, I would like to do this tune. Uh, can we do it? And he was like, yeah, man, we'll do that. Well, when we started to do it, um, he suggested adding in Kissing in the Back Row because he said, you know, not that long of a song. We can do them both together, you know. And I was like, well, great, man. So you know, we started doing it. We played it a couple times live, you know, and, and seemed to go over good. And I was enjoying doing it. And then all of a sudden, one day he called me and said, uh, hey, man, can you go in the studio Thursday? And I was like, yeah, what are we going to do? And he said, well, I was thinking maybe we do that, that Drifters medley. 
And I was going like, oh, really, man? He said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. You do it good. We'll record that. So I was like, man, I was just thrilled that I would get to record it because I really like doing both of them, you know? So we put it together in a medley, went in the studio and recorded it. And um, we actually called it, we named it Saturday Night in the Back Row. Um, but most people just know it by us doing it. They always say, hey, will y'all do the Drifters medley? So it's just colloquially kind of come to be known as that. But we had originally named it Saturday Night in the Back Row just to kind of blend both both titles together. Um, and on our album, our CD, when it comes out, it may be listed that way, but it's on a compilation CD now, uh, Love Never Looks So Good, a KHP uh, CD. And on there, it's listed as the Drifters Medley. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, it's fun to do, and uh, people like it. And, you know, we're just, man, we've had a really good run with the entertainers. We've had a real good run of uh, recordings. Um, the last CD we did, um, it, it ended up, it had eight number one songs on it. And um, had 12 songs, eight number ones. And uh, then now we've had, since then, We've had four more songs come out that have gone number one, and they're not even released on our own CD yet. You know, so it's All kind right. of nice. Hold on, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Anyway, from my perspective, you do the Drifters Proud, the way you sing well, that you. medley. And uh, to me, this validates uh, that you are truly an artist because you're not only an excellent multi-instrumentalist, but also you're a good vocalist as well. So I appreciate again, that. Thank you. One, I have to say one of my most proud moments was back during the time that I was in the Fantastic Shakers, we were playing at a club down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and Bill Pinckney was there from the Drifters, the original Drifters, and uh, it was a lady that ran the club. It was her birthday party, and she had just been to Bill's 80th birthday party a few months before that. So he asked who was playing at her club that night. And she said, Fantastic Shakers. He said, oh, well, good. They'll let me sit in and do a song <laughs> or two. So he came and, and uh, they were like, he was like, well, what can y'all do that I do? And, and uh, nobody, you know, really of the stuff that we did of the old Drifter stuff, there wasn't a whole lot that, you know, really showcased him. But because he was the bass singer. So I got to sing two songs with Bill Pinkney. It was uh, Under the Boardwalk which he did the bass part, and I sang the other part. Oh, nice. White Christmas. And uh, he was, I've got two pictures of of that, and he's looking at me, and he's got this nice look. It's my most prized picture I've ever been in because Bill Pinckney is with me, and he's looking at the crowd like, listen at this guy, you know, and it's such a, it was such an honor to get to be on stage with somebody who's in the, you know, the actual rock and roll hall of fame and the vocal musicians hall of fame. And, you know, it just, uh, just a, a really good, uh, accolade for me, I guess you would say is really nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great, uh, good story. Now, let me tell you why I like the entertainers personally. Okay. Part of the reason is the repertoire that you guys put together because your song selections are different from, you know, some of the bands. Because a lot of times, most bands play the similar songs in just a different band, same songs. But you guys have, you know, you you guys play different songs. Like, Shades of You, nobody ever plays that. Yeah. You know, and and you're the only band that plays that. So I appreciate that you do have a different repertoire. Yeah, well, there's, there's, uh, you know, a lot of the songs that everybody plays, 
we play those too. We just don't do them every night. Yeah. You know, we try to bring the stuff that that's more ours and more that, like you say, things that people would, you know, just not the same tunes that everybody does, you know. And the other reason that I like entertainers is that you guys perform your own original songs that, sure. you know, you, you recorded, for example, Ten Ways. Yeah. You know, that's a great song. It's a, always a number one hit song. And the new right. one that you've done, Love Done Gone. Yeah. It's another yeah. Good, uh, good one that I enjoy listening to. I mean, I'm a melody guy. And yeah. I don't like the melody that I'm not interested. But when, well, I hear, when I hear the songs that you guys put out, there's a melody there. And then, so now I'm curious. And now I want to you know, listen to the words and the yeah. beat. And the, the, the one that you put out, uh, Love Done Gun Wrong, from the first time, I said, this, is, this has a good rhythm and a good beat to it. Yeah. So yeah. what that tells me, you guys as a band understand that beach music psychology. And therefore, you understand the beach music genre because the songs recorded that you guys have done hits the right chord and it resonates with the fans. Right. Well, you know, we try to find songs that we can do that with. Uh, for instance, Love Done Gone, that was uh, a country tune by Billy Currington. And we basically, you know, just turned it around a little bit, put more horns on it, you know, made it a little more us. And um, Bob Chambers, our sax player, is the one that sings that, and he does a great job on it. And it, it goes over that. The way we ended up recording that song was we were playing in uh, Stanton, Virginia, and um, a crowd there that we were playing for, they really liked it. And about two days later, we were in Virginia Beach. And um, it was for a big beach music festival in Virginia Beach. And we came walking in a restaurant one morning. And all of these people from that were at that party a few days before were sitting there eating breakfast. And all of a sudden, they all just joined in and started going, ba, ba, da, 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 da. And they just loved that song. And so we ended up, that was the whole reason we recorded it. Because a group of about 10 or 12 Virginia fans loved it and jumped into it. So we were like, man, we got to record that. So, so it's no joke when Dawkins says before you guys sing the song that people in Virginia really love this. So he wasn't yeah. making it up. No, that was exactly true. That's exactly how it happened. It really was. That is funny. And we will be right back after this important message. All right, so uh, this is a good point to introduce your band members that you are playing with today, okay? So sure. let's uh, give coverage to the rest of the cast that you that uh, work with you uh, that make entertainers who they are. Let's start from the back row and work our way to the front. So let's start with Rick Sabiston, who is yeah, the drummer. Rick, yeah, Rick Sabiston, excellent drummer, man. He, he uh, because of his ability to play uh, he plays really good dynamics. When we need to play a room that needs to be quiet, you know, we need to hold the volume down. He enables us to do that. You know, a lot of drummers would just go ahead and play right on through and they're loud and you play up to that same volume that he does. He's, he's a 
one that has enabled us to play a lot of different kind of jobs because of the dynamics that he controls and plays. Uh, and just a great guy. Just, uh, man, I, I, I've loved every minute that I've gotten to work with him, man. He's just a really good guy. He lives in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. He's originally from the coast around Atlantic Beach, Jacksonville area. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a really good one, man. I, I really enjoy working with Rick. You know, the thing about Rick, whenever I see him, he, he's always friendly. He's always with a smile. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of it, and all of us realize that. Um, nobody's going to come hang out with you if you're grumpy and not personable. I mean, why would they? So uh, we're really lucky. that The guys that I work with in the entertainers are among the best that I've ever worked with. They're all good guys, all just, you know, personable people. Um, we all make our own group of friends, but we also have a lot of friends that are in common. And uh, it's re really just really nice. You know, like I say, I enjoy working with Rick. I enjoy working with all of them. But right. Rick is, is one of the top ones ever, man. I love him. Rick says Rick has also played with Flatters, Marshall Tucker, Tucker and Reba McIntyre as well. And he not only plays the uh, drums, but he also plays the piano. That's yeah, and he also, he also plays he also plays guitar. And um, we're trying to get Earl to let him come out front and do something, uh, some kind of acoustic kind of thing we can do on guitar or something, just uh, kind of a little sing along stuff. And Earl is a drummer, so we could send him back there to drums. And uh, but anyway, yeah, Rick is is very talented. He he's got a great ear. He sings back up on every song we do. He's pretty much on every one of them and yeah. uh, has a great ear. If anybody has a problem finding a harmony, he'll, he'll point it out to them right away. <laughs> I like guys like that. Really good. He's good, man. Really he's a good looking guy, guy too. On top yeah, of he's that. A good Got that good, clean Eastern North Carolina look. Yeah, man. All right, let's talk about the keyboard. Tell us about the keyboard. Okay, our keyboard player right now, we have a guy named Jeff Allspa. And Jeff is from, uh, he, he lives in North Myrtle Beach now. When, um, Don Petro was a drummer with the Shakers the entire time the band was together, pretty much. The last year or so, Don had a heart problem, and they hired Jeff playing drums. Well, Jeff played drums with the Shakers for about a year or two, and then he went with Blackwater Band playing trombone. And he played trombone with Blackwater Band for about two years, and now he's with us playing keyboards. Oh, and my uh, God. Another multi-talented guy. Keyboard, drums, and trombone. really we're really loaded with them. I mean, uh, Jeff is an excellent musician. He sings well. He plays keyboards well. Excellent trombone player. Excellent drummer. He's just a, another one, like I say, another really good guy. We're lucky to have him. I love it. I love it. How about the guitar? Guitar is Eddie Gerd. I've, I've known Eddie since uh, back early 80s, I believe I met Eddie. Uh, he's played with the entertainers about three times. He's been with the band. He left and he came back and he left and he came back again. And uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie's, Eddie's an extremely talented guy as well. He, uh, he plays a lot of different uh, styles really well. He plays country good. He plays rock good. He plays the R&B stuff good. He's just uh, all around an excellent guitar player, a good vocalist. And a really good guy. And, and a lot of people don't know this about Eddie, but Eddie's really into the Zodiac and horoscopes and stuff. And you would not believe how many times he's walked up to somebody and said, you're a Scorpio, aren't you? And they go, how'd you know that? I mean, he nails, he, he, he doesn't do everybody, but 
he is so attentive to, to, to people that he picks up on it and he can nail their birth month for him a lot of times. And it's, I've never seen anybody as good at that as him. Well, next time, next time Eddie, I, I see Eddie, uh, he's going to have to pick, take, take a shot at me, see what he, what he can uh, figure out. Yeah. yeah. I get the feeling that Eddie could play blues very well. Eddie's very good blues player. He is. He's really good. He he does well at all that stuff. He Eddie is one of the best at uh he works on his sound a lot. He gets his sound right for what the song needs. And um he's just he's just a very versatile player. Um all of us we're we're all lucky in the entertainers to have him with us. He brings a lot of a lot of color to the band and a lot of uh does real well solo and stuff. He's He's a, a big part of what we do with the entertainer. Evidently, he loves the entertainers very much because every time he leaves, he comes back three times. Yeah, he, he said the first time, he said, I would have stayed the first time if Earl took back what he said. And I said, what did he say? He said, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but hey, he's good enough to get hired back. So, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen a lot. That's, uh, you know, Eddie is a really good guy. That um, is funny. Like I say, Earl's happy to have him just like the rest of us. <laughs> Right, let's go to a front row. Uh, yeah. And we yeah. let's start with sax, Bob Chambers. Bob Chambers from uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Bob is uh, another, once again, another good, really good singer. He's been with the band about, I believe, uh, I believe Rick Saviston has been here, I believe, 14, 15 years. And Bob has been here maybe a year longer than Rick. They've been here about the same amount of time. Uh, he had a full-time job and just worked part-time for the first few years he was with the band but it got to be where you know he really enjoyed the band and uh he worked it out where his job would allow him to leave when he wanted to and uh he could work his job around the band as opposed to how a lot of people have to do it the other way around and uh bob has, has, has done a, a really good job all through the years with the entertainers um once again, he's another one that, that we're all really happy to have. He adds a lot vocally as well as uh, saxophone. He's a really good guy, good musician, good entertainer, good guy oh, to have. Oh, and yeah. a really good dancer, too. You know, people love watching him dance. <laughs> you know, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Bob plays sax with flair for number one. But oh, yeah. I also get the feeling that Bob is a lady killer. Uh, <laughs> because he, but, <laughs> he he is, but his wife probably wouldn't want to well, hear it that way. Yeah, but, yeah. He, he reminds mean, me uh, of the old Ricky Nelson song, "The Traveling Man." Oh yeah, where he is yeah. a lady waiting in every port that you know the ship pulls into. Now, yeah, well, I'm, not saying, like right. I'm not, not saying like that. That yeah. that I'm not saying that he does. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's a lady waiting for him at every gig because I don't want to get in trouble with his wife. But if he did. It would not surprise yeah. me because he's got that, understand. what we say in Korean, Sava Fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's got a really good personality, and he's a good guy, too. Like oh, say, yeah. He's, 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 got got that, got, uh, he's got that old Southern charm. Yeah. And it's not his yeah. fault, you know. He just has it. Right. But you see him, when you see him with his family, you know that he's a full family man, too. He's got a wife and two sons, and, uh, you know, you can tell he's, he's all – 100% in the family as well. Oh, I don't doubt that. And, and right. I, I'm just, what I'm saying is in just uh, jest and. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you well, know, he does have that flair. Yeah, but we're all we're all thankful. All of us in the in the band, um, 
we're all thankful. All of us have wives, uh, or in a couple guys' case that aren't married, girlfriends, and we're lucky that they appreciate what we do. I'm I'm the luckiest of all of them with that. My wife is is uh, always appreciated what I do and pushed me to keep doing it. And uh, she's always been around arts and stuff like that. You know, her her dad runs a advertising agency. Her uh, several of her well, one of her sisters, couple of sisters, both worked there at one time or another, and her brother. And you know, they're just all a, a hugely creative family. And um, that's I've been the beneficiary of that with my wife because uh, she knows where I come from and what I do and the reasons I do it. And um, I appreciate her so much for allowing me to do it and for pushing me when I need it. You know, we'll, we'll get to your wife too. So good to know. <laughs> good to know. Trust me. <laughs> but I just feel like whenever I see Bob, he's got that, 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 uh, that soft skill, you know, and uh, yeah, you, you just yeah, would you not. Know. It doesn't surprise me that the ladies, the fans, I should call them fans, just yeah. flock to it because yeah. he's got that old school Southern charm. Sure. And when he sings that "Love Long Gone," I really enjoy hearing it. But he's a great yeah. sax player, you know. Yeah, he does a really good job for us all the way around. We're yeah, like I say, we're all thankful to have him. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about the trumpet player. Trumpet player is Phil Louder. Uh, Phil is from Albemarle, North Carolina. He played with a uh, hip pocket band in the past. And he played with Atlantic Groove. He's been with us, I guess, about three to four years. And um, like I say, we're, we're, we're thankful for everybody in this band for what they contribute, what they do. We're all really lucky. Um, and Phil is another one of those guys. He's very talented. He's uh, a little bit soft-spoken. It doesn't really step out as much as some of the guys, but He's got the ability and he's there. And uh, like I say, we're thankful for him. He, he has a, a huge uh, amount of musical knowledge as well. Um, history of, you know, just horns and, and brass bands and stuff. He's, he's another good one that uh, we're thankful to having, you know, really, really a good situation all the way around. Yeah. And his uh, song, Come and Get Your Love by the old yeah. Red Bone Band from the 70s was nominated yeah. as the Song of the Year in 2019 at the Carolina Beach Music Awards. Right, yeah. And it's amazing. That song, um, it went on the chart about three years ago, and it's almost been on some of the charts continuous that whole time. It's um, A couple of times it's dropped off the chart and come back and went to number one again. And it dropped back down the chart, and it came back on, on I believe, uh, Surf, 94.9, the Surf down at North Myrtle Beach. It was number one three different times on that chart. And, that is unusual. Uh, it, and that's, yeah, it's very unusual. And it's not like we weren't still putting other stuff out, and it was going to number one as well. But then that one would circle back around and double up and be number one again. It's really amazing. Uh how that song has worked for the band and the, the um, good that it's done for us. Phil does a great job with it. And uh, like I say, he's, I'm sure he's thankful to be here with us as much as we're thankful to have him. Oh yeah. You know, every time I hear him sing this song and I know you were there, I was in high school when this song came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, wait a minute. Every time I hear him sing this song, it's like, Hey, I'm back in uh, high school. Yeah. And yeah, I can't I'll, believe this song has lasted this long. That's the magic thing about music because a lot of times that's how people relate to stuff. They remember where they were when they heard it and it brings back a memory. 
And that's all we're doing here. We, we just try to create memories. If they come and see us, we want them to take a good memory home with them. We want them to go, man, remember when we went to, to Greensboro and I saw the entertainers, man, we, we need to do that again. You know, and uh, that's what we, we just try to continue to foster that among our friends and fans because if, you know, if people don't come see you, there's no reason to do it. You know, I mean, you I might agree. Well make a record and sell it. You know, I mean, I it's, agree. It's, uh, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. And he also, uh, uh, Phil Louder of uh, Entertainers Who Plays the Trumpet also has his rendition of another band's song. Whom I, who, which I also like, which is a Band of Oz's Easy Coming Out. Yeah, yeah. And Phil does a great job with the song Easy Coming Out because yeah. he has a similar tonal quality as Chuck French, who right. actually sings a song uh, in Band of Oz, song called Easy right. Coming Out. So I think Phil does an excellent job because of the uh, intonation. Yeah. And part of the, I mean, part of the reason it, it, it sounds similar is because Phil has that easy Eastern North Carolina draw, which yeah. makes sense because he's from Albemarle. And I think right. uh, Chuck French is also from Eastern North Carolina. So they have that similar right. uh, tonal sure. quality. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it is. Uh, it, and Chuck is another one of those. You mentioned Chuck French. He's one of the first musicians I ever met out here um, when I started playing with beach music bands and stuff back when I was in Threshold. I met Chuck French and Butch Barnes that were in Band of Oz. And I met uh, Craig Woolard and Johnny Hopkins and Gerald Davis, you know, the guys in the Embers. We we did a few shows with them. And, uh, you know, those are some of the guys that I've looked up to now for over 40 years, you know. And it's uh, it's really nice that I can call them friends, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when I heard uh, Phil play uh, or sing Easy Coming Out, I said, that's good. And you guys sound really good doing that rendition, by the way. So Thank nothing you. to be ashamed of on that. Thank you. Thank now, how did Little John feel? I mean, how did Little John of uh, Hip Pocket feel when uh, Phil decided to leave for entertainers? Well, I think um, at the time when I think Phil had left Hip Pocket before that, previous to that, and was with Atlantic Groove uh, for a couple of years okay. before he came with us. So there was a little bit of a buffer cushion in there in between that. Okay. You know? But uh, yeah, Hip Pocket's another really good band, though. They're really good guys. They uh, they always bring the party. You know, they that's what they're all about. You know, they're all little, about yeah. Little John doesn't have his uh, ensemble as some of the larger bands like you guys do, but right. with what he has to work with, he definitely maximizes what oh, he yeah. has. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'll close with Phil's comment about uh, what he said. Uh, this is Phil Louder, a trumpet player for uh, you guys, saying that uh, in regards to beach music scene, he says, there's no drama in it. It's easy to understand. It's not complicated. And that's what it's all about for us. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That's a, that's, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, uh, let's, I want to mention Gary Alexander, even though he's not with you guys at the moment. Yeah. Tell us something about it because he was with you guys, with entertainers for a while. Yeah, Gary, I met Gary. Um, I actually met Gary years ago when he was playing with another band um, back in the maybe late 70s, early 80s, a band from Virginia. But I didn't know him and I didn't meet him at the time. I just used to see that band some. Um, and when I got to Fat Ammon's band, Gary Alexander was the guitar player. He had just started about two months before I did. 
with Fat Ammon's band. And um, he is just an extremely talented guy. Excellent guitar player. He plays some keyboards, good drummer, um, excellent singer and songwriter and just producer, engineer, everything. He's He's got a great ear for mixing. Um, you know, he's just really good musician all the way around. And uh, Gary had, he, when he was in Fat Ammon's band, of course, we were based out of Virginia Beach, but he was out of Whistful, Virginia. So for him to drive all the way to Virginia Beach and get on the bus, it was about a five-hour ride before he would even meet up with us. And then he'd get on the bus and ride three or four hours in the opposite direction, you know. So it was a lot of traveling for him. And uh, only because of the band being as good and the draw and all that it was was probably why he stuck with it as long, because it was really a hassle for him the traveling part, but he said he hung in there three years uh, as well. And he left right before I did. And um, about a year after he left, uh, I was speaking to Earl Dawkins one day and I was with the Shakers, Fantastic Shakers at the time. And Earl mentioned that he was looking for a guitar player. And I suggested Gary Alexander and he hired him. And uh, he was with him. I believe he was here about, about seven or eight years. He was with uh, the entertainers. Uh, he ended up, when he left, he moved to Nashville, and uh, he's got a little studio at, in Nashville at his, at his residence. Um, his wife is in charge of uh, several beauty pageants um, that her, her company uh, is in charge of. So he's always working beauty pageants at times of the year and uh, stuff like that. But, man, he is just such an excellent musician, a great singer. Great guitar player, just uh, all around, just a really good guy. And uh, every time I do something, I always send it to him and say, hey, man, what do I need to do with this? What, what does it need? You know, and he'll tell me, oh, maybe some hi-hat, you know, or something. He always, you know, he's very uh, helpful with any of that, all of that. And, oh, great uh, resource, huh? Great guy, man. Great guy. How about that? All right, well, that leaves us one guy, Dawkins. So that's Yeah, Earl. Earl Dawkins, man, what can I say? I mean, everybody pretty much knows Earl. Earl's been out here forever. Uh, years ago, there was a band called Sugar Creek out of Charlotte. It was basically a rock band. They went through different periods. At one point, they were kind of a top 40 band, and they did, uh, you know, just uh, pretty much the same thing that all of us bands did at times or another. But Earl was their original drummer when they started the band. And all of the guys that are in Too Much Sylvia now, at one time or another, worked with Sugar Creek. And not necessarily at the time when Earl was there, but Earl was the drummer. And uh, Earl left, um, I believe he, when he left uh, Sugar Creek, he went with a band called uh, Main Street. He was with them for a couple of years. And then he went with the Catalinas. Uh, and he was with the Catalinas from 1975 to 1980 during the time which they had just recorded uh, Summertime's Calling Me. And so it was a hot song. Uh, Johnny Barker, of course, wrote that. And uh, it was uh, almost single-handedly responsible for reviving a huge interest in beach music in the Carolinas. And um, Earl sang that song for five, six years. He was there 75 to 80. And he always tells a story about how, yeah, man, when we would play in such and such, we'd have to do that song three times a night, you know, and, and it's true, you know, they, they, um, it was such a big hit 
And he always says he never gets tired of singing it. And I don't believe he does. He, he does such a good job with it. Um, he, he can sing that song every night. It doesn't sound the same from one night to the other, but you know exactly what it is. And he's the one presenting it. And uh, Earl is just an extremely good man, an extremely good singer, good front man. People don't know he's also a drummer. He's a really good drummer. Um, we need to get him back there on drums on some stuff so people would see that, you know. But, uh, you know, Earl is just a great guy. He's, he's been successful running this band now since 1978. So it's been 40, 43 years. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, like I say, I'm, I'm thankful to have known Earl all these years. And uh, I'm thankful now to get to work with him. You know, so it's, it's all a good thing. And uh, Earl has a, a great business sense and all. And um, he's the reason that this band has been successful for for 43 years now. Okay. So uh, I always thought that uh, Dawkins was probably the bar none, the best cowbell player on the beach uh, music oh, band yeah. circuit, yeah. bar none. Yeah. yeah. Of course, other bands don't really use the cowbell as extensively as he does. So yeah. they've taken themselves out of contention. But Still, I thought he he deserves a graduate degree and his uh, unique ability of uh, of uh, using the cowbell. But it makes sense now because he used to be a former drummer, so he has rhythm, right. and so he knows how to uh, maximize uh, that uh, instrument. And not only cowbell, he's just as good on tambourine or a boucher, cabasa, any anything he picks up, uh, percussion wise or drum wise, he can play. He's good with it, you know, and. And like I say, I think I misspoke. The band started in 1980, so it's been 41 years. It'll be 42 next year. And uh, Earl is, is um, the very first recording that the band did was a song called uh, Living for the Summer. And the flip side of that was an instrumental called Let It Rip. And Earl actually played drums on that, you know, the first song they did. So it was pretty cool. And uh, like I say, we're Man, we're we're just so thankful that Earl's run this business for this long and, and it's still here for us. And we will be right back after this important message. Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And we're back. So for the, just for the record now, it was Dawkins who sang Summertime's Calling Me. On the record, it was Bo Schrant. That, okay, because uh, I don't recognize that sound. That's the reason why. Right, right. The original, the, the original recording was Bo Schrant. He sang on it, sang the lead vocals. But he was only in the band after they recorded that song uh, less than a year. 
and okay. uh, they hired they hired Earl to replace um, Bo. And Earl came in, like I say, he Bo's the one on the record, but Earl sang it more than Bo did uh, sure. with the Catalinas. He sang it for five years, you know. So um, it's it's pretty much uh, Earl. Earl has done a lot for that song, and it's yeah, I, years. I, I appreciate that clarification. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I uh, when I listened to because I mean I was in college and I heard this song and I and I know exactly what you mean when it kind of single handedly. Right, turn the business around because by that point, disco was coming in so big that it kind of yeah. put a damper on you know the beach music scene. Exactly, and this song came out. You know how that was, right? But then when this song oh, yeah. came out, uh, I mean, it was a hit, instant hit. And Johnny right. Barker wrote a great piece, and you know he tells right. stories about how he was at Appalachian State under, when it was snowing and all that stuff, and how yeah. he composed the song. I mean, it's got good rhythm, and and the, the tonal quality was also good, but. It didn't sound like Dawkins to me. So I yes. just wanted to make sure that, you know, yes. I didn't miss anything here. No, no, you didn't. The original was sung uh, by Bo Schrantz when he was in the Catalinas. And uh, Earl was Bo's replacement when Bo left and started uh, the Fantastic Shakers shortly after that. I think they started around 78, but he left around 75 and uh, Earl came in and, uh, you know, like I, I said, he was with Catalinas for quite a few years and then started this band. I got you. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Earl was invited to do a podcast uh, initially, and uh, but he had only one question for me when I asked him, he wanted to do a podcast, and he, uh, his question was, will it be on video? And, uh, so yeah. and I told him, well, it's a podcast, and uh, then he wasn't interested. So that, <laughs> that was the end of that. So. But just for the record, what he didn't realize is that Everything we do is on video, and this podcast is available, and all the podcasts that we've done is available on video. So now yeah. I have to do a little commercial. So in order to see the video uh, version of the podcast, all you have to do is go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, backslash Nana Music, N-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-K, N-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-K, and sign yeah. up, and that's it. It's simple. And then you yeah. get to see all of our uh, podcasts in video format with cool. or without commercial. So it's available. All yeah, right. Cool. Patreon music. I mean, patreon.com backslash Nana music. N-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-K. And sign up. And that's it. Right. All right let's, let's move on. Uh, what was, when you're performing, what is the most favorite song that you enjoy doing? Well, man, I mean, that's hard to say because uh, that's, that's like, why I asked. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, you asked, a, you asked a question I don't know I have an answer to. Um, there's so many. Uh, I, I, I just love music. You know, I love a lot of different kinds of music. People that ride with me in, the, in my car a lot of times, they go like, man, you listen to a lot of different kinds of music. I say, yeah, but it's all good. You know, and that's that's my only criteria. Um, I, You know, I, I've... Uh, like I say, when I was a kid, you know, I knew gospel music and church music and country. I didn't really like country uh, growing up. It took a long time later. I came around to really appreciate it. And it's mainly because of the songwriting more so than the uh, the performance, per se. It's mainly songwriting a lot of times with country. But uh, I like a lot of different kinds of music. Uh, I've there's no particular song that we do that I look to more than others. There's a few that uh, I don't really care for at all, but 
I know how much they mean to somebody else. So I can still justify to myself to do it because it means a lot to somebody else. Which, which song? Tell us. Come on. <laughs> so hey, you put me on the spot this now. This juicy Augustus. stuff, man. <laughs> well, okay, like for, for instance, um, we do Boogie Shoes by yep. Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> okay, well, as far as a horn part, which is what I do, mainly the yep. whole song. Yep, I got you. <laughs> you know, and it's basically four minutes of that for a horn player. It's not real, it's not real interesting for me. I, I see. I understand what it does for the audience. So I want to play the song because I know how much they like it, you know, and how good it goes over. It's the same way with like uh, the tune I mentioned earlier, Sick and Tired. It's, it's a really monotonous song horn-wise. Yeah, but people love it, and the shaggers love it. So I want to do the song. I get you. Enjoyable <laughs> song to perform. I still want to perform it because I know how much other people enjoy it. So I get it, you, it makes man. It worthwhile, you know. I I can overlook what what it is for me because it's not about whether I like it or not. It's about whether we can sell it to the audience. You're a good man. I get you, man. It's, All even, right. it's even harder to sell a song that you don't like. Yeah, you know it's harder to sell that. So you have to try harder. You want to do more on those songs, so you can sell it. You know, because if I just if I was just out there going through the motions, it wouldn't do nothing for me or the or the friends and the fans that come to see us. You know, so uh, you know that's just a, a example. And it's not like I hate the songs or nothing. It's just that they're not the ones that inspire me so much. You know, I appreciate your May- Mayberry values there, buddy. <laughs> All right, listen, man, let's talk about a broader pick question here, issue. Okay. What is the future of beach music? Any concerns? Well, there's always concerns, but the way it, it seems to work in the all the years that I've been doing it, it really seems like it's kind of a cyclical thing. Um, it'll go around a while, and then it might fade out a little bit, and then something happens, and it gets hot again for a little while. Some good new tunes come out that you know, the regional bands do and, and, uh, you know, it, and, it, and it's that kind of thing. But, um, the thing about beach music is it's a lot of memories, you know, uh, so we tend to attract an older crowd in order for it to continue to be successful. We need to all try to attract younger people. So they're going to be here longer, you know, um, but it's a hard thing to do because, you know, that they have their idea of, of, People have their idea of what they like music-wise, and that's what they want to hear. And, um, you know, it's a little different. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just that kind of thing. It's uh, kind of you, you kind of try to do uh, what, you know, what you can sell and what you can uh, bring to the people. My, my concern is less about uh, the music because whenever you guys play, I mean, 20, 30-year-olds, they love it. You know, they, they start dancing and all that stuff. My concern about beach music is the musicians. Right. Are they going to, re- do you have enough to replenish? Are they coming into the beach music band circuits? Because yeah. as you know, most of the band members are our age or older. Right, right. And that's another thing too. We're lucky that there is some younger ones that come around and they see that once they get in and they see the uh, relationship with the, with the fans and the people that come to see you, then they want to be a part of it because that's the thing that helps sell it to us musicians is how much we realize what we do that the people enjoy. If, if you were just up there going through the motions and uh, 
the people weren't enjoying it, it wouldn't be any use to do it at all. You know, so uh, I think that's a big part of it is, you know, the people that come around and they, they realize that um, there's something here and something you can bring to the people. And if you do, they're going to follow you. They'll be around with you forever. You know, um, I've got friends that I knew before I was ever playing in bands that still come to see the bands because of, you know, they come and see the band and they like it and they have a good time. And like I say, it's just creating a memory for them. And they want to experience that again. It's kind of like one thing I learned a long time ago is if, you, if you're if you on stage and you say, oh, I want to say hello to so-and-so out in the audience, and you say their name, tomorrow they're probably going to come back and they'll probably bring a couple of friends with them because you said their name on stage. And, you know, it, it's a matter of making people feel good enough that they want to be part of that again. You know, and it, it just kind of it's all hand in hand. It's all a part of it, but, um, that's kind of what it is to me. Um, it is a, it is a, a question as to whether people will keep, you know, whether the musicians will, uh, you know, continue to do it or whether the old ones die out and there's no one to replace them. There's no one to take that over. But, um, we see, you know, you occasionally see some younger bands, you know, bands that have some younger guys come in, and even if they're not all together, you'll see a few here, younger guys, and a few younger guys here. And, and maybe uh, 10 years down the road, those same younger guys will all be together in the next new beach band. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So we'll keep our fingers crossed because uh, it's, it's very uh, important and integral part of our life. Extremely. All right. Well, let's talk about something uh, outside of... Uh, what do you do, your personal life, your civic okay. life? Uh, what is your life outside of uh, being an entertainer like? Well, I have three Siberian Huskies, so that takes up a lot of my time. They like to walk a lot, um, and they don't like to turn around. They want to get <laughs> out. It's about a little over one way. <laughs> and you can't talk them into turning around and going back toward the house. They want to go all the way around. Uh, so we walk every day. We walk at least once, usually twice, um, get a couple miles in with the dogs and they're just wide open. Just, uh, man, they're my true joy outside of, uh, music and my wife and my family and all my, I love my dogs. Um, I went for a long time, uh, without pets because I was always traveling and all with vans. Um, but now my wife was into the same thing and wanted a dog and we got a dog. And then uh, it was like, well, let's get a puppy. So maybe she'll be a little more active. And we got another one. And then somebody said, hey, we've got a stray. Uh, we, we know y'all have two huskies. Could, could, you, we, could you hold on to this stray till we find the owner? So we took him in. And, of course, they didn't find the owner. So we ended up with a third one. And, uh, you know, one of them uh, had cancer. And did, we had to, he had to uh, pass away about uh, two years ago. And so our vet, right after we had to have him put down, he said, um, hey, we have a, a, a friend here that comes to the vet that has a, a husky and they can't control her. She's she's a puppy and she's too wide open. So would y'all be interested in taking her on? So we ended up with her. So we're back to three dogs again. <laughs> and uh, like I say, my wife, she travels with her job uh, more than I do. She's um, been gone like for now uh, this stretch. She's been uh, down in a small town in Georgia since the end of July. 
And she comes home every second weekend. Every other weekend, she'll come home to spend some time with me and the dogs. And uh, if I'm off or if I'm close enough that I can come home in between jobs, I do. Sometimes she comes home and I don't even get to see her then, you know. But uh, then when she finishes that job, which will be in another three or four weeks, then she'll be off for a couple of weeks. So we'll get a little time together then. And, you know, we, we try to make all that work for us the best we can. And, um, you know, like I say, her – her family has uh, is scattered all over the United States, some in San Diego and Northern Virginia and Richmond. So we get to go around and visit her family and stuff when we're traveling and all. And that, that's always really nice, too. How about that? Now, my son envies your dogs because oh, man. he loves Huskies. Yeah. But he hasn't had a chance to get, get one. So uh, the best he got one from a dog pound was a husky and lab mixed. Yeah. And uh, she was like a small lab, but had this beautiful blue eyes. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, you know, and she had one blue and one gray eyes with, oh, a, lab, yeah. with a lab uh, body. It was really right. cute. But right. uh, yeah, if, if he knew you had three dogs, uh, he would, he would envy you. <laughs> well, the first, one got in, first one we took in was from uh, the sh- local shelter, York shelter, York County shelter. And uh, she was blue eyed, a uh, blonde, blonde dog with blue eyes. And uh, she's just amazingly intelligent. We, we couldn't believe someone voluntarily gave her up. But uh, we anyway, we got her. And then the the uh, the um, stray that we took in, he's more of a red color and he's got brown eyes. But one of his brown eyes has a little blue dot in it. And oh, wow. uh, if you see that, you would see it every time you look at him. Wow. A couple of people called and said, yeah, I think you found my dog. And we were like, well, can you describe him? And they would describe him. We were like, well, can you describe anything about his eyes? And none of them described that. So we know, no, nah, that's not your dog. Yeah. Because you would notice that if that's your oh, dog. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the third one we got, like I say, our vet called us and said, yeah, there's this couple that really can't handle this puppy, you know. And she's like just a wide open. She's just, man, just crazy. Just wide open energy all the time. She's a... About two and a half years old now. Yeah. So we, we, it, I love having them in all, but they do take a lot of time. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I'm gone a lot, I end up boarding them uh, at a great place here in town, uh, Camp K-9, that they don't put them in kennels. They get to sleep on beds, and, you know, they're just really great boarding system there. They do really good, and our dogs love it. When you say, you ready to go to Camp K-9, they jump there <laughs> oh, yeah. wide right open. Yeah, they're meet me at the gate. Jim, the dog whisperer. Oh, man, I love them, man. It's great. Like I say, I went a long time without dogs. I'm happy to have them again. Now, recently, you've also got involved in civic life, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so tell us about your poll manager. Well, I, I um, started working as a poll manager with the election. Uh, about tell us what poll ago. manager is for people that may not know. Well, basically, you go and you work at the uh, side of the election. Um, there's jobs that that are, you know, somebody has to welcome people in the door. Somebody has to check the electronic voter rolls and call people up, uh, verify their address and, you know, their identification, uh, you know, photo ID, all that. Uh, somebody has to direct them to the ballot marking devices and, uh, you know, and then, uh, then when they finish there to the scanner and somebody has to stick one of those little I voted stickers, you know, hand them one of those. So, there's stuff for everybody to do. And of course, voting is 
7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So it's a long day. Uh, you have to be there about six and you don't get to leave till about eight or eight thirty. But I've never done much uh, civic work. And since I've gotten to do this, I can really appreciate it. And also, you can see how much they appreciate you doing it. So it's uh, it's just rewarding to me. I enjoy getting to do it. We had a mayoral election in Rock Hill last week, and we have our regular election coming up for the county coming up November 2nd. So I'm getting two days in here in a couple of weeks, within a couple of weeks. So um, I'm happy to get to do it. And uh, it's just, you know, just a small thing. It's not uh, a huge uh you know, not a, not a huge thing per se, but I'm happy that I get to do the little bit that I do. You know, uh, I don't really have the time, uh, because of the schedule with the band to commit to a lot of stuff that you would possibly do otherwise, but because of the band and the way that our schedule works, I don't get to do some of that. So whenever I can work with the elections, uh, I try to do it. And, uh, like I say, we had one last week and got one next week. So, I'm able to get in two days with it and happy to do it. You know, it's, um, you know, just, just like I say, just one of those things that, uh, I've never gotten to do. And now that I'm doing it, uh, I see how much it's necessary and what the appreciation is. And like I say, I'm, I'm grateful to get to do it. Well, that's how you keep democracy running without volunteers. Uh... Got to, yeah, have to. Otherwise uh, it doesn't work. That's exactly right. Your next step well, after, go ahead. I was going to say, it's always like that. If you don't speak up, nobody knows what you want, what you expect. If you, you know, you do the same thing with your votes. So, uh, I would, I would just encourage everyone. If you're, if you're, uh, legally eligible to vote, please register and do it. You know, that's, that's how you're heard. That's exactly. the best way you're heard. Exactly. And after you retire from uh, the entertainers, when, when it's time, then your next step is to run for office. Yeah, yeah. I may have done that if I was younger, when I was young and could have done it. Now, I don't know how many people would vote for an old 62. They'd go like, oh, he's probably got problems. Well, he's you never know until you do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, city yeah. council, town council. That's where you oh, start. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so you're married to Judith, which is a very biblical yes. name, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, she is I'm, a, I'm, go ahead. I'm just gonna say she is an excellent woman, man. I mean, absolutely <laughs> love her to death. I'm not just saying it because she's my wife. I'm saying it because she's good. Um, she's she's uh, so supportive of everything I do. Uh, if I if I do something wrong or something, she's the first one to let me know. Um, and you know, I I appreciate that. I'm so thankful for her. Because, um, and she is a very hard worker. She has always been, had a good job and worked hard. And uh, she provides for us, um, you know, a huge amount of what we, we do and have is because of her. And uh, I'm just 100% thankful for her all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you are. You know what? My guess is that your marriage will last. And do you know why? Why is that? I have this sociological theory of relationship yeah. between men and women based on an empirical observation that's somewhat anecdotal, right? right? Namely, that couples with matching first letter of their first names, such as Mary and Mike, or Bob right. and Barbara, right. or Jim and Judith, always appear to be happy together. Well, you know, her, her, <laughs> other, initial, 
her other initial match is nine too. It was JS. There you go. Yes, the start See? before she got married. So, so uh, in your case, it's Jim and Judith, J yeah. and J, right? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. to me, exactly. these couples, you know, seem to always work out. So if I were a betting man in Vegas, I'm betting on your relationship to succeed, man. Well, I hope you're right, and I, I feel like you are. And, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Conversely, to buttress my empirical observation, Augustus and Melody doesn't work. And Augustus and Marianne doesn't work, you see. So I've concluded in my Eastern Tibetan Buddhist philosophy that I need to meet a lady whose first name initial begins with the letter A. (laughs) Perhaps like Elissa and Augustus or Anastasia and Augustus. Then I think I would have found my soul mate. Now, what do you think about my Dr. Phil moment here? Well, it could, there could be some truth to it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not philosophical enough to, uh, know the answer to that. I can understand where you're headed with it. <laughs> you may be a hundred percent right. Who knows? <laughs> I, I will let you know if I find a lady whose first initial begins with a letter A and then okay. uh, we'll see how that goes, right? If I find a good one with an A, I'm going to point her to you. You, my buddy. There you go. Man. Or my buddy. If you find a woman with a good first name that begins with uh, letter A, send her my yeah. way. I'm going to do it. I'll do it for sure. Especially if she's in the beach music and she knows how to shag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. We got a deal. Right. Excellent. All right. So in conclusion, what's up next for Jim Stoudemire? Oh, man. Well, more of the same and hopefully much more of it. Uh We've got a CD coming out with the entertainers. We've got about, I believe, eight, eight songs done, eight, nine songs done, a couple that we still need to get to. But um, the studio where we record at most of our recordings, um, the guy that runs that, he had a fire at his, at his studio and they got the fire all put out and everything and had a bunch of water damage. He got the studio rebuilt and about three months after he opened back up, he had a flood was when we had the hurricane come through about a year and a half ago he had a flood and it had water damage all again at his at his studio so um he's back to uh he's got it rebuilt again and back opened up but his wife has a um a condition so he's leery of letting a bunch of people in recording at the time so we've kind of been trying to work around that and uh earl's gone and done some vocals by himself and try to get stuff done you know, one or two people at a time and, and get our CD finished up so we can get that out. Um, we, we were hoping to have it out for the 40th anniversary. And then, like I say, with the pandemic and stuff, um, and like I say, with this guy's wife having a, a condition, you know, we've, we've kind of put some of it on the back burner for now, but we need to get back in there and finish it up, get that finished. Uh, I have another song that I'm doing on my own with a friend of mine don't want to speak a whole lot about it at this point, but just a duet we're doing uh, just for fun, kind of on the side and just a little side project thing. We'll be doing that pretty soon. But um, man, it's it's really just more of the same as far as the band. We're going to just try to keep knocking along, keep bringing some good music to the people, learn some new stuff and uh, present it to them when we can and just try to make more friends. There you go. That sounds good to me. What is the yeah. best way for people to contact you should they want 
Man, you can always contact me by email. It's jimstoudemeyer at gmail.com. Uh, that's about the easiest way to get me. Uh, anything from there, we can converse another way, but that's the best way to make the initial contact, and we can go from that. And that's spelled S-T-O-U-D-E-M-I-R-E. That's correct. An excellent German, very Germanic name. Yeah, it is a German name for sure. All right. With that, the Augustus Chose Fraera podcast. Thanks, Jim Studemeyer, a musician, a singer, a philosopher, for sharing your life with us. We wish you continuous health and tranquility. And this is Augustus Cho, over and out.